away, Gundam Maniacs. Welcome to the Gundam Explained Show. I'm your host, Adam Blue. And joining me, as always, Stephen of Midnight Hatter. What's up, man? Not a whole lot. I'm tired, man. I don't know. I, I might have to like throw on my my blinders here so that I can, you know, play play Johnny Cool. That does look stream. cool, actually. Sunglasses. I don't know what it is about sungra- sunglasses and a cigarette. Oh yeah. Now I quit smoking a while back, but, um, you know, and I, I didn't, so I, I gave up smoking one Lent, like my wife and I both did it when, you know, when we were in our late twenties and it was just like, oh yeah, that was easy. Like we're never haven't craved a cigarette, um, since, but, but I do miss like just kind of looking cool. I'm like, man, you know, what would go great with this glass of whiskey is a cigarette just to let everybody know that that I'm a tough guy. It's weird how that works. It's like those 50s and 60s movies kind of resonated throughout history, like because people already saw always saw that. So it was always associated with being cool, you know, like the Rat Pack or, yeah, I think that's what it's called and all that. Exactly. Um, but I never I never smoked a cigarette before. Really? Now, the other stuff, <laughs> but cigarettes, <laughs> no, never. I remember um, when I was in college, hookah bars were like all the rage and everybody would go to hookah bars and like smoke the pipe tobacco out of like the, uh, you know, the hookah, like um, the, like the shisha and all that stuff. Um, and I remember at the time I thought I was extra cool because I was rolling my own cigarettes and um, I was asked to leave one of these establishments because they thought that I was smoking one of those uh, alternative cigarettes. <laughs> alternative. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, and then cigars. I I one time was gifted a very nice cigar by people with a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And I was like, oh, and then I gave it to a guy I was working with. I was like, yeah, I don't know what this does. So. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you, you know, you, you've got three kids. You should you should have had at least three cigars in your life is the that's the rule. Yeah, but aren't those the cheap ones? That you get when like a baby's born. It's like here's the I, don't know, I always that, got like... the bubblegum ones. Everyone gave me like the, oh. the, the girl. <laughs> oh. I just figured they just go to Walgreens and it's just like sitting there just in case, like the blue or pink. I don't know. I yeah. Some Swisher sweets. Um, but no, it's really cool to see everyone joining us today in the chat. We got Zionic Shadow, uh King Dylan, uh Talos Mobius, Aoshi son, good to see you. Mad uh Mad Dog, Wheaton haven't seen you in a while, hyena mage, Johnny Tacoma. We've got our mod Ian in the house. So, yeah, it's cool to see uh, everyone here um, for us to yeah, good to see y'all. talk stuff. Um, you know what? I was going to show off. They'll have to watch your show. I like to do this recap because I feel like our shows are like part one, part two. Yeah, so, it really does feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I showed off the goof flight type robot spirits yesterday on yours. So check that out if you want to see it. I'm not going to do a video on that, but what I'm going to do is eventually a video on the entire 08th MS team line of robot spirits and kind of do some fancy video editing. I think it's, that's the it's angle really I'm going to cool go for. that they kind of staggered the release of those robot spirits and they all kind of came out around the same time. Like I, I love yeah. the fact that it was like, you know, ground type easy eight, you know? Yeah. I, I love it. Like it's, I just can't wait for the Zeta for anime. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm loving that they're doing that. Like, ah, uh, it's it's gonna be awesome. Um, that might actually, be my first uh, my first pick. <laughs> oh yeah, obviously yeah, and I'm sure you're gonna get one, whether you buy it or not. You'll probably get one. But um, uh, <laughs> no, and actually in a little bit here, I'm actually gonna do the giveaway for the supporters I, this month. I I'm gonna do a supporter giveaway. I've got that uh, Master Grade Tall Geese 
three, I think it was. I think it's two. Two? Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, and then the high-grade Shenlongs will be two winners. We'll do that here in, in a little bit. Yeah. Um, Dang, we should have streamed on Wednesday, so it could be a Wing Wednesday giveaway. Ah, <laughs> uh, very good. See, you know all the marketing tricks. Yeah, you never, you never stop marketing. You never turn that brain off. Nah, but um, no. Anyway, speaking of your show from yesterday, again, link in the description. I'm sure everyone uh, knows your stuff. Oh, Barry BB, good to see you. But um, uh, we had a good discussion yesterday. I felt like I was able to get so much off my chest when it comes to just some of the late. Lately, like people bogging the inner clogging the internet pipes with negative waste of time. Like, it's, yeah. like come on, guys, let's it, think. And and gaming is one of those topics that like tends to draw out the ire of people very easily. Yeah. Um it, it is, especially Pal World being like Pokemon, that's kind of getting like this core gamer group all, you know. <laughs> Uh, and and it's interesting um, because with the Power World thing, I think Nintendo or the Pokemon Company made a statement saying, "Yeah, we're aware of this." Just to let you know, <laughs> everyone is telling us. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's yeah. it's funny because it reminds me of the discussion that we had. I, I think it was we we had the discussion last year, but remember there was that whole idea that people were comparing Elden Ring to Breath of the Wild and they were saying like, oh, Elden Ring is the Breath of the Wild killer because it's a better open world game. And it's like, they're really not even the same genre, yeah. you know? And so, you know, people will try to do this thing where they compare, like they, they want to try and create a rivalry where there is none. It's kind of like if you're a football fan, the Browns and Steelers rivalry, like, Everyone knows that the Browns hate the Steelers, but the Steelers, do they really care that the Browns exist? Probably not. See, that's great. I don't know what you're talking about because it's <laughs> folk about sports, but that's – and I think I even brought that up yesterday, how it's it's the thing like sports where exactly. someone likes something, so they feel like they have to protect it, and, like, they'll just go in somewhere if it's something else to be like, well, that's bad. <laughs> this yeah. is good. That's bad. Yeah, uh, I think we, we actually I remember we had this discussion, uh, something Gundam related last year, and we were like, if you can't defend the thing that you like without talking bad about another thing, then how much do you really like the thing that you claim to like? I think what what it, it, it came out of which for Mercury discussions, I'm sure, since that oh, was like yeah. the biggest Gundam argument that happened last year. But if I remember correctly, people were saying, you know, oh, I. I don't remember exactly what series it was, whether it was like 0083 or maybe uh, IBO or something like that. And they were like, no, IBO is the best AU Gundam um, because Witch from Mercury sucks. And I'm like, well, no, no, that's not an argument. Like, you need to tell me why IBO is good, not why Witch from Mercury is bad, because those are two, you know, they're yeah. mutually exclusive. They're not <laughs> one does not prove the other. Yeah. And I got to say, I, I'm pretty happy with how I reacted to Witch from Mercury coming out because I watched it, talked about it and moved on. You know, it's it's not like they ruined Gundam and then <laughs> getting all that, but you know. Um, and then um, so yeah, that was a great I feel like our discussions we have on your stream are awesome. They get really in depth. We really talk about kind of what's going on between people and we kind of dissect it. It's it was pretty neat. Uh, so guys, yeah, check that out. Nature's a funny thing. Yeah. So yeah, I always appreciate when when you can offer your insight because you are much um you're you're much more well versed in video games than I am, and and gaming culture. So, and that said, I'm excited to get into the topic that I think we're going to be talking about tonight. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, that's exactly it. So I have spent 
the past couple weeks playing less Gundam games, and I do that every once in a while, where I'm like, I mean, I love playing Gundam games, but there are times where I'm just like, okay, I just want to get into other games, you know? And I tried that new Prince of Persia, and it's actually good. It's yeah. it's just not... I Maybe I just don't feel like playing it right now, because as soon as I started it, I was like, I feel like starting Symphony of the Night. And then within... Uh, I forget how long it was. Within a week, I played through it and beat it. Now, do you think that that's um, relevant to the kind of discussion that we had about how genre might color your impression of a video game? Where, like, you might enjoy the Prince of Persia gameplay and the structure of the game mechanic mechanics-wise, but, like, the story might not necessarily appeal to you being, like, this sort of high-fantasy Arabian Nights tale because I think is really you, good. you said you're you're not like into Fallout or anything like that, right? So right, no this this is a really good point because I think this kind of gets into what we we're talking about, where there's a lot deeper things going on. So with this Prince of Persia game, I've liked previous Prince of Persia's, even the original. I played the original a lot when that was like the only thing on PC back in the day, like that was like amazing to like look at because of the animation. And what yeah. this modern one does is it stays true to the platforming traps stuff. Now. Yeah. That is one aspect of Metroidvanias that I don't care for, or the platforming. Usually, the plat usually there's not platforming. That's just yeah. a means to explore. But in Prince of Persia, the platforming is the game because what it does is, if you fall or land on a trap, you die immediately, but you respawn immediately where you are at. They do yeah. that on purpose because they know you're going to die. So the game loop is try to complete this platforming puzzle, die, try again, try. And it's like, ah, that breaks the momentum of me wanting to explore a world, right? And yeah. the world that this game presents, it's it's kind of an unfortunate thing. I had this complaint about Sonic um, Superstars versus Mario Wonder, where mm -hmm. Mario Wonder had very consistent art within 3D polygons. So you can't really tell it's 3D polygons or if it's hand-drawn, it's just consistent art. Whereas in Sonic Superstars, the background was the low poly stuff. So you're running yeah. around looking at art that's like not consistent with the foreground. And, and the thing with Prince of Persia is it's like that because when yeah. they do the stories, they zoom in on the characters. Now, oh, interesting. Yeah. And they're like low poly. So here's the thing like graphics don't necessarily matter, but it's the art style. It takes on this, this sort of thing I think WoW started that, you know, Fortnite carried over. It's almost like a Disneyfication of the way characters look and i don't mind that look yeah i just sometimes when i'm playing a game the the atmosphere is part of the game for me it's very easy for me to get into any gundam game because the atmosphere of that but with the prince of persia it, it's it's actually a solid game really good game i'm just not that crazy about it so yeah maybe go back to symphony of the night and and so have you played through symphony of the night no i haven't no so so that actually I wanted to ask you before yeah. we get into it is so was Symphony or Rondo the one that was um basically two and a half D where it was like 3D polygons but with like the 2D textures on top? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I love this stuff. So yeah, it was Symphony of the Night. So after Rondo of Blood, they were working on Symphony of the Night. At first it was on 32X, so just the 2D work. But then they decided to move to PlayStation, which didn't have built-in 2D stuff. So what yeah. they basically did was just texture like three layers of polygons so you have the background and then the four it, and you wouldn't know that that's like yeah. it seems like such an amazing way to actually design a game to retain like the 2d look but have it very smooth 
And yeah, and I, was, I mean, I think at the time they probably were still trying to maintain the look of a 2D game, but I think now it's become almost like an artistic choice because you know Prince of Persia yeah. does it, and then I think that the pro- probably everyone's favorite example of this would be like the Guilty Gear game. Where oh, it's like, yeah, because yeah. those are beautiful 3D models that are rendered in such a way to make them look like they are anime drawings, I which is that. so I, impressive. I, in fact, I remember. Guilty Gear was, as soon as that came out, I think on home consoles, I think it was a PS2, I bought it because it was just the most amazing looking 2D fighter. I love uh, 2D fighters. But yeah, that's yeah. interesting because it's like, would it have served Prince of Persia better? And I don't know if, if this is the case, if they went with more of the the flat 2D look. And and I say this because when, when Sega came out with the Sonic Superstars, they said they're making it 3D because that's the future. So when people look at the game, they're not seeing what could be an old game. I don't know how accurate that is. It could actually be. I, I think I it's know. probably just less expensive. Um, you know, it's the same yeah. reason that you see so much more 3D modeling done in anime, where it's like, oh, you know, yeah. if, if you've got a 3D model of the unicorn, then it's so much easier to animate all your mobile suit battles using 3D models instead of doing traditional 2D animation because... You know, if you wanted to see your your model from a different angle, you just rotate it. You know, it, it being a graphic designer, it reminds me of like that. You know, you get those jokes about clients that will be like, "Oh, well, you know, I sent you this picture of an elephant. Can you just like turn it around so that so that you can see the elephant's face?" And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. That yeah, that's very interesting stuff. So, uh, you know, I guess this is more of an aside, but it's like I'm very fascinated now by like. Could I streamline making a a 2D game? Because I'm always thinking of these 2D games I want to make by just using a 3D engine and just mapping the textures, you know, and then because it, it kind of simplifies the geometry. So I don't know. Yeah, I'll I mean, have to pick of, your brain on that later because th- there's some pros and cons. But yeah, we can we can get into the nitty gritty on on developing something like that for sure. But yeah, so I mean, just playing Symphony of the Night, it made me go back to play Rondo of Blood. So yeah, within like this week or two, I not only beat Symphony of the Night, but I got all the trophies in Rondo of Blood, which is awesome because it's like a proto Symphony of the Night because it takes place five years before Symphony of the Night. And each level has alternate paths to alternate bosses, which each level then has one of the alternate paths go to an alternate level. So while there's six levels total seven levels total total there's five that are alternate levels so and this is then you save four characters and one of the characters that you save you can play as and it was the first of that animation of alucard running you know that's like a very famous animation it was the character maria and rondo of blood started that where it was like you could see the other hand come from the side you know even though it's 2d and sort of anyway so one one thing about um, Symphony of the Night, and I might spoil this for you, you might have heard of it, but it's like when you think you've beaten the game, uh, it you then get transported to like the inverted castle, where it's where you played the whole game again, but it's upside down. Yeah. At first, I remember back when I played the game, I didn't like that. I thought that was like a cheap way of them to add more stuff to do, <laughs> more content. Yeah. But when I played it 
you know, this past week or two, I realized, no, it's actually excellent. What they did was they broke the game up into two gameplay types, which is going to lead into my idea for the Gundam game. And that's the beginning of the game is playing like a classic Castlevania. We have to be careful of the enemies as you're navigating, trying to figure out how to get here, how to get there, leveling up, fighting the bosses. And then you get to the end. And then when you get into the inverted castle, you're like a badass because you have all your stuff. So then it's now yeah. about just exploring for fun. It's like, I don't have to worry about dying. I'm really just looking for all the secrets and, you know, getting the 206% or 200.6% or something like that. <laughs> but I love I was, that kind of stuff where, you know, yeah. you get like the over percent. <laughs> right. Cause you know, that means there's some hidden stuff. And, and yeah. so I was like, you know what? I really like how this game actually becomes a different play style halfway through. And I remember back in the day, I didn't think of it that way. I was just like, I don't know what yeah. it was. I was like, man, why am I just playing the castle upside down? That's not as interesting, but I get it now. So as I was playing it, as I do, every time I play a game, it's like, oh, I would love to play a Gundam game like this, you know? <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, how as one could, does. Yeah, yeah, as one does. It's like, how could you make a fun Metroidvania? I've talked about making shmups, even though they do have some. Uh, of Gundam or Gundam beat em ups because I got really into beat em ups last year. Oh, um, yeah, with that uh, double dragon, yeah, double dragon, yeah. And I was like, I would love one. something with uh Gundam in that way to use the different loadouts, the different, and that's the thing about Gundam. I think that lends to video games. It's anytime that you have different mechanics you can use in a game, it's like, oh, well, with Gundam, there's beam combat, non beam combat, there's melee combat, there's range. So it's like Gundam lends itself, right? It and, really does. Yeah, and, and so I was thinking, okay, if I was going to make a Gundam Metroidvania, which I'm going to try to do, um, I say that, but it would be, uh, this is my idea, it would be called Return to Axis, right? And now I have to think about the timeline, so you, you or others in chat can correct me here, but it would be like sometime after Char's Counterattack, where there's the fragment that, you know, didn't go to Earth. I'm sure there's a few yeah. fragments, I'm not sure. Well, because it it really got split in half, right? Yeah. With the with the nuclear attack that Bright conducted, um, yep. and so one half actually does contain. Yeah, so one half continues to descend to Earth still in there. Right? Yeah, where where the Zazabi's cockpit was was a uh, was fused into, I guess, because the new Gundam yeah. was pushing it, and and that's where Twilight Axis takes place. Exactly. So, it so would be you're thinking like the a... other piece that oh. that didn't hit Earth. Yeah, so it could be that. And, and so, yeah, good. I'm glad you understand then, like, the, the, I'm yeah, with the space now, I'm in. So... For, for, for legal purposes, we're going to have to call this, like, Gun World or something like that. Because <laughs> obviously, you know, just just like with uh, Glockachu and, uh, you know, our Pokemon <laughs> with guns, we... we we're gonna we're gonna be inspired by, but we're yeah. not gonna steal ideas. <laughs> Those names would be funny that we would come up with, actually. That and that's funny. Quick aside, a lot of what they're saying about Power World is it's parody because there's actions you do in the game that are memes. Like mm -hmm. whenever you kill a pal in Power World, they have blurry, like they put a blur box over it just <laughs> for fun. So anyway, so this return to access would be when you start the game, you are a I, and it could be you could choose and it changed. I love it when you can choose your character and it changes the outcome, but you're a soldier. Yeah. You're just, and, but it's a pilot specifically. And you, you eventually get your jetpack, but you're just going through part of the asteroid base, just exploring it where it's mostly abandoned, but you come across other people that are trying to like steal parts or 
and you might befriend some people, but also some might be enemies. Um, and then, you know, the story unfolds as you go. But as you travel in this asteroid, as you're exploring it, you notice there's it's huge. Like rooms are gigantic. You're like, how could I get here? How could I get there? I'd like the idea of one boss room is like a hangar where it's like the torso up of a mobile suit, like on a hangar thing. And it's like oh, yeah. moving on it, trying to like shoot you. And you just have to like dodge the hands and the lasers or something. Um, Shiro Mata style. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> and um, what uh, the idea would be like after you beat a boss, you get just random mobile suit components. And that the save points or checkpoints are hangers you find throughout the base that you are constantly dumping your loot in, which are mobile suit components. Um, and I, I like the idea that each save point would have its own frame that's there. And so you can collect and build up these mobile suits. So the idea is to beat the game or to beat the last boss, you have to complete your mobile suit and then you get to get into it and then travel in places that seemed like you couldn't travel before and then fight another mobile suit like that's fully functional. But then once you beat that, it's almost like the inverted castle. Yeah. Symphony of the Night, except you now get to go and re-explore everything as the mobile suit. And yeah. I like the idea that it changes that then this like possible Xeon remnant force has decided to like invade and steal whatever they can. So you're having to fight them off as you're now in a mobile suit. So the gameplay would go from being a dude on the ground running around to then you're in a mobile suit halfway through. And then from there, you could get out of your mobile suit if you needed to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love when games have this like recontextualization of a enclosed space. Um, you know, I've always said how much I'm a huge fan of like Resident Evil games. Um, oh, yeah. You know, where you're like contained within a mansion or within the police station. And like as you explore, you know, you kind of unlock parts and that that stuff is so cool. And so, yeah, I mean, the the idea of recontextualizing the entire level as like you know, now you can reach places that you couldn't before. That's yeah. And, and that's because I really want to, I, I, I want to focus, like if I was to make a Gundam game, really focus on exploration and through exploration, you're getting a lot of lore, just Gundam lore in general, even if it's stuff that's not related directly to the story, it's just stuff in that you see timeline, just so you're almost like engaged with the exploration as you're going, especially if you're into Gundam. Like, it would be cool if you came across, you know, like, there's always the recordings you find. But it's a yeah. character within the Gundam universe talking about something that happened. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's... And um, so, and there would be certain things. Like, I think you would just start with a regular pistol as you're going through. And mm -hmm. then I would say, like, the first boss you fight is a pilot with a jetpack. And when you kill him, you get his jetpack. Yeah, the little vernier, like, the little yeah. two-winged thing exactly. that they all wear. That way so you can now, start, you know. My question is with, you know, obviously you can upgrade the pilot's equipment and that would probably be kind of like on a fixed timeline, right? Like you defeat a certain pop boss and you get yeah. a certain upgrade for defeating that boss. But as you're collecting these mobile suit parts, is that like a fixed outcome as well? Or would you incorporate some kind of RNG to that where it's like, you know, you might get a Zazabi hand or you might get like a Jagan leg or you might get, you know. That's exactly it. So a part of when it comes to like the exploring and the looting, I like that idea because Symphony of the Night does this where there is an RNG to the drops. And but I would try to make it where it's manageable, where it's like, OK, you have to spend time looting for certain drops. 
But if you know what you're wanting to get, there are certain places you can go to work to get that. Um, But also I'd like it where there's abilities and and all the games do this Metroid Castlevania, where you don't, you don't only get abilities from bosses, but also you might find in the world. And I'd love to incorporate somehow some abilities that you could beat the game without getting. But if you get them, they just allow you to maybe find more areas to explore more because it would be cool that, you know, I'm trying to think of the game as a whole. When you complete the game, let's say you beat it, you can go back and be like, well, I am going to build all the mobile suits possible in this game. So I'm going to go grind this corridor, grind this hangar. Now I can build all the suits. And then, um, and then I also like the idea of, you know, once you get to the point in the game where you have your mobile suit, and you have it ready for space that you can use shortcuts where you're flying outside the asteroid to get to other parts of it. But when you're outside, you have to fight other mobile suits in space. Right. You know, just to, I feel like uh, that's something that has to be done. So I think that the first step in my mind, I'm like, so for, first I want to visualize like the map, right? And, you know, have like those hangar exits where it's like, okay, so if you exit on the left you know the the lower left side you can enter again on the upper left side but you can't necessarily go around to the other side of axis you'd be stuck like you know like you said it's a shortcut between those two portions and then like each sort of wing because i mean super metroid does this where it's like you have these wings that are only accessible if you have particular items right same deal where it's like you know maybe maybe you can only access a certain area if you have explosives to, you know, blow open a hangar door or something like that. But like beam weapons and, and uh, ballistic weapons aren't going to do the trick. Yeah. Or something like where if you might come across a, a door that requires a key card to like enter and you're like, Oh, this is the such and such lab. There were those people that had died, you know, that were over in this part of the base. So I'm going to go over there loot see if i can find that key card come back you know like multiple things abilities key cards uh brute force you know just you know what would be a pretty sick puzzle okay is think about this once you get your mobile suit you have access to the outside right what if there's a locked door on the inside of a of a particular area inside of access and you take your mobile suit when you get it and you exit a hangar somewhere else and you have to apply some of that sticky film that comes out of the fingers and seal it up so that you can then go back around to the locked door as a pilot and go in there without being pulled out from uh, the depressurization of the yeah i like that you said that because that's incorporating more ms functionality that's not necessarily for fighting yeah, you know, the, those little types of tools and things, the the dummy balloons, maybe you can always come up oh, with a, a yeah. clever use for those. I love the, those types of uh, novelty items. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I think, it, and I think I was watching a video on YouTube recently that was like the making of one of the Castlevania games. And they show, and I love this, where it's like they hand draw the map. And then they kind of draw like, okay, this would be here. This would be there. Like, I love that kind of thing. I'm like, I wonder if that's the first step. That might be very therapeutic for me is like I sit down and like map out what the Axis base would look like, you know, what would be in there. Um, And then it'd be neat to kind of noodle on, okay, what is a cool story element that makes this very relevant to you see without 
negating anything else, you know, but I bet there's something that could be there because it's axis, yeah. you know, I would almost, I, I would almost like to do something about Hamond because she's not really in a lot of other Gundam media and she was there running it. Maybe there's like a room of hers. I mean, or... she, she was killed there. Like, you yeah. know, technically speaking, there's probably Kubelay parts. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, that would be great. Actually. I'm glad you said that. We could probably take a lot from double Zeta to kind of incorporate into this because that's another one where yeah. there's not too many callbacks to double Zeta um, other than like unicorn but, or narrative. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think there's a lot that could be thought about this now. I, I I'm wondering from your game dev point of view, I guess based on, because what you've created, you've created 3d spaces where characters are animated and have their own movement systems. How do you how do you see making a 2D side scrolling game? Like, would you say that's easier? Because um, I know it really I, based it's based on the tools in the end. Yeah, you know, I think that um it depends on whether you want true 2D or if you wanted to go to like two and a half D. Um, you know, obviously using 3D assets, you do you only have to do something once and then you know you can always just kind of flip things around like you know we again working yeah. with 3d models it's harder to create the 3d model but once it's made you can do more with it whereas you know if you were working with like 2d art and you're like hey i need a new attack animation then it's like well man now i have to draw a whole new attack animation um whereas you know you could just animate the the skeleton of the 3d model and it it does it for itself um yeah and I, but i wonder you, from your uh opinion would you prefer it to be like modern 3d graphics or like old school pixel or like 16 bit 32 bit pixel art that's a good question um i i've always made you know like true 3d games um and I love 3D spaces. Like, I love 3D space puzzles. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that loved the Water Temple in Legend of Zelda. So that's always kind of the direction that I personally go. But I have to say, I've noticed this huge resurgence of popularity for particularly, like, upscaled 32-bit games. You know what I mean? Yep. I do. I, and I, and I think it looks great. Like even, yeah. it, it, it even when you see PlayStation one graphics, like upscaled, a lot of times that like looks good. It's like, yeah, this is low poly work, but that art is now popping a bit more. And yeah, it, it, you know, and I, and I wonder if it's a thing again, I keep thinking about that Sonic producer saying that they're going 3d because that's kind of how they have to do it. And I wonder if, even though I prefer the pixel style look, and it's all because it's more consistent, especially by the time you get to the mid nineties, a lot of video games are very consistent in their art styles, you know, because they're using the same technology to do yeah. um, background as foreground. It's just the pixel art is done in these ways. They have the color palettes they call to. And it, the, the thing is with 3d, it's like, I'd hate to lose the look of consistency, but it might just be how you go about it. You know, it might be where yeah. maybe the backgrounds are still, like hand-drawn paintings, but the the character models are 3D, so it, it allows it to be consistent. Exactly. And it kind of, you know, I remember kind of in the early days of the uh, PS1, there was like the, there was this move to like 
almost like a two and a half D style where I, th- I think the game that I'm thinking of is like the Disney's Hercules game because oh. it played like a 2D, um, you know, just like a platformer. But there were certain, you know, elements of the level where it's like you could turn into the like turn into oh, the yeah. world. And and I remember being blown away by that approach, like, you know, oh, so it is possible to like create 3D spaces w- within a 2D game. Um, and, and I think that two and a half D games kind of give you that opportunity where yeah. it's like you can you can have elements that come into the foreground and, you know, maybe even have like ways for the player to kind of jump forward and and navigate that way. But maybe it's like on a plane. Yeah. Like maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that uh, work before, um, and I really can't remember the game. It's It's been a while. It's like early on, yeah, probably N64 era PlayStation. But I know recently there was this Yoshi game on Switch that did that, where it was 2D, but sometimes you'd see these things in the foreground that I loved it. They'd be out of focus, and then you could there might be a path, and then you could walk toward the camera, and then they come into focus. And that's it's kind of neat. In, in That's a very good visual cue. Yeah. Like using using focus, focus as a way of saying like yeah. which plane the player is on, because that's always the most difficult thing with that type of gameplay is that, you know, yeah, oh, man, I'm trying to think of a good example because there are definitely games that I remember playing that were like that two and a half D style platformer. And it would be like you go to make a jump, but the the ledge that you're trying to jump to is on like a forward plane. And so then you just kind of fall through it and you're like. I know the old Mortal Kombat mythologies had a little bit of oh, that. Sub Zero. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. You remember that. Um, what was another one? Um, yeah, I think there's been more. It's funny. I really think there were games that came out and we were like, oh, wow. And then I yeah, we totally forgot what they were. But I remember that was a interesting thing when that first uh, came about. Yeah. Um, and then King Dylan, uh, be like Judah Ashta in a, and be a scavenger. I like that idea because it's less of the tropey, oh, you're Earth Federation soldier or you're a Xeon soldier. It's more of you're just a person in this world and people are kind of rushing to the Axis asteroid to see what they can scavenge because of the state of the colonies where people need resources and things. I like that idea. I, mm-hmm. I like that. Oh, Johnny Tacoma, Crash Bandicoot. That was... That, it's a very great example of a great game example. like that. Yeah. That was, and that was PlayStation 1. That was when they were kind of pushing that stuff where yeah, yeah playstation it, one was a very experimental time it was it it's it, it very interesting for me because i was such a sega fanboy and nintendo fanboy that i was like playstation what and to be honest the first few games that came out on playstation i didn't really care for except for and i don't know why it's not my thing but that extreme sports game that came out right when the playstation came out i forget what it's called but i think it had like mm-hmm bicycles and rollerblading maybe oh, and nice. i just remember i yeah. thought it was good and i'm like I, but anyway i ended up you know obviously getting into playstation because it was interesting it was where arcade games or those japanese badass japanese like guilty gear you know those style games would go to playstation but then during the playstation 2 era they started making a a mandate about no 2d games anymore Mm-hmm. and then that like solidified i don't like sony i really don't but then <laughs> like you know it, we look back well, and there's so many good games they changed it, it, video gaming it's part of like you know 
the PlayStation, the first PlayStation was a very experimental console, and you could argue that the Dreamcast was experimental as well. But it's funny to me how many of the Dreamcast staples have now become commonplace today. Like the PS1 didn't have network like online right. play. Dreamcast did. Dreamcast was almost like all 3D games. You know, you had like Sonic Adventure, you had Crazy Taxi, everything was pushing 3D, whereas PS1 was still kind of clinging to this idea that, well, you know, we're going to experiment, we're going to like dip right, our toe like, in the water of 3D, but we're not going to like commit to it. That's a really um, good point because I think it wasn't until the N64 that Nintendo was able to kind of show what you can do with 3D. And then that's yeah. when I think developers because playstation was popular they were able to go back and really make because even jumping flash i think that's like an early it's it, it's a 3d game on playstation but it's kind of rough it was still yeah. neat but it was a little rough and experimental like you said yeah that's a good way to put it experimental especially how symphony of the night was developed that was an experiment they're like how can we make 2d work on a 3d only engine yeah um, or like um i mean shoot uh i think was the first silent hill on ps1 or ps2 Sounds like PS1, but I could be wrong. I want to say it was PS1, but I I remember that, you know, working within the limitations of the technology, there was like the whole idea of the fog in Silent Hill is they would use that to limit the draw distance of of your your view. And so it made everything easier to render. And, you know, and, and again, we talked about this yesterday where it's like when you're working within the limitations of whether it's the platform that you're uh, optimizing for, the tools that you're using, when you work with limitations like that, sometimes you come up with the most, you know, beautiful ideas that if if you just had freedom to do whatever you wanted, then, you know, you sometimes in that scope creep that we talk about. Exactly. I mean, I think that that was a big deal with the Elden Ring PC release, right? Is like the draw distances in in the Elden Ring PC release. I I remember reading some reviews where it was like the draw distance was so far because they wanted to show off these like beautiful landscapes that they were that they had done. But as a result of that, like you had enemies that were culled out of existence and they they weren't. They, they were still there. They were just invisible because right. it was, they just didn't render the mesh. And so it's like you're yeah. getting attacked by invisible enemies. Um, and, and so that that's where it's like, yeah, sometimes when you get caught up in, you know, showing off the majesty of what you're building, you kind of lose the the playability of the game, like which is, I think, the most important thing. Like if it's not fun to play, then who cares how beautiful your textures are, you know? Yeah. Or how cool a feature is, you know, like in... And I agree. I feel like in life in general, that's kind of like how I feel about things. A lot of times if I'm limited in what I'm trying to do, sometimes what comes out of it is better or more interesting because I have to think differently about how I'm doing everything. Um, it, yeah. yeah, it goes from because it could be easily mindless. Yeah, I think it could become mindless if you can do whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and so that's the thing I think about a lot. Like how much is me liking these older games now like is that because i grew up playing them or is it a lot of times these modern games don't necessarily give me that feeling because with castlevania i get this rush where i'm like okay i gotta go through three parts of the stage and i gotta try not to get hit so i have enough health for the last boss like yeah. i don't have to think about that a lot in modern games. yeah and I, I think um you know we I'm glad that you brought up the idea of scope creep because, and I think Power World is a, is a huge example of this, right? Is almost every 
every 3D action adventure game has almost the same types of gameplay and features, right? You know, you're it's it's third person. You have like some range attacks. Maybe there's a crafting system. You know, you, maybe you have a um, what you call like a companion system. Like you know, yeah. Skyrim, you have companions, but you know, Pal World, you have Pokemon that that follow you around. There's always like, it's these very similar ideas the the z targeting which has been like a huge thing oh, yeah. since legend of zelda ocarina of time like now every, every third person game has to have some kind of lock-on feature yeah uh or to, to call of duty camera. with the left trigger aim yeah left trigger aim so it's like all of these um kind of features that we take for granted when you go back and play some of these older games because they have I wouldn't, I don't want to say a limited scope, but I want to say clearly defined scope. It's like, this was the, this was the goal that we had in mind. We're not going to throw in a crafting system just because that's what everyone else is doing. We're not going right. to, you know, do this because it's like, this is the game we're trying to make. And this is the experience we're trying to cultivate. And I think that those older games really do that. I well put. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Um, and I think that's why I'm I love games like Elden Ring. I consider Elden Ring to be like my favorite modern game. Um it's because it it is Castlevania just in 3D. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's how I see it. You, you don't have to you don't have like romance uh subquests in oh, yeah. <laughs> you know there's there's none of that kind of stuff going on. So it's like yeah, it's a clearly defined game. This is the experience we want you to have and yeah. Um yeah, no great talk in fact like i i think i am going to try maybe this weekend to like just sit down and hand draw and like make like a preliminary map of what the axis would be like and how the player would move through it i think that would be yeah. awesome and then i'll send it to you get to see what you have to say um all right i'm happy to offer my critique oh yeah and i i'd be happy to get it too um all right guys we're gonna move on to this next part we're gonna pick a winner Two winners. Eight. Two winners. This is going to be for the Master Grade, and I think I have the shot here. Yeah, there's the Master Grade Tall Geese, Tall Geese 2, so thank you for correcting me on that, and then the High Grade Shenlong. So, I do like the idea of a Tall Grease, though. I know I like that. I was going to continue with that, but I didn't have anywhere to go with it. But Tall Grease, that's got to be something. Yeah. You need to remember that. Um, All right, let's click... Spin to win. Let's see who's got this. And it is no way. <laughs> well, hey. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I say spin again because okay. th th this is funny because I, I feel like sometimes people people don't realize, you know, that we are in each other's supporters chats and stuff like that. And it's like we, we literally are each other's patrons. Like it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it is funny. It works like that. Okay. Antagonist artichoke. So that's for the tall geese. This is for you, artichoke. Yeah, uh, reach out to me. You know, obviously, gonna explain gmail.com, but even on Discord, wherever or on Patreon or well, if is yeah, well, Patreon. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say this. This compile is um, Patreon and YouTube members. consolidates all of your yeah. yeah YouTube members and everything. So yeah. However, however, it's easiest to get in touch with me, even if you have to like ping me in the gonna explain Discord. All right, now. This is for the high-grade Shenlong. Oh, oh, oh. 
Oh, Ashley. Wow. Okay. Congratulations, Ash. That's awesome. There we go. Man, at that end there, there it, it like slows down. And you're like, what? What is it going to be? No. I know. I see. I saw Ian in the chat. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad I was able to do that. So, yeah, guys, just reach out. If I don't have your address already, just, yeah, reach out with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll get that sent out. Um and so I'm going to I'm going to actually continue to do that. So if you're a supporter every month, I'm going to, uh, yeah, do a random drawing for Gumpla. I, I did two this month, but like I think for now, it'll just be one just to kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I think that that's fair. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Yeah, I'm glad for that. Um, all right. And to end this, we're getting to the end here. Um Let's see. So just this past week, real quick, if you guys haven't checked it out, um, I had the video on like episode yeah, 15 of uh, Gundam Evolve. Evolve, thank you. Yeah, Which was pretty neat. You. It was like, it was weird how there was like some redesigns going on. Um, yeah, uh, it was pretty sweet. You know, it, it made me think like, man, I wonder if at the time that Evolve was coming out, if people had the same types of um, vehement reactions to the 3D modeled like Gundams and gun cannons as people did to the Requiem for, for Vengeance 3D models, like the Zaku and the oh, Gundam that we saw. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it, it was just weird, too, with that episode being all about Shalia Bull, who, you know, it, it's interesting because there's then a couple episodes in Gundam Evolve where they went back to UC and kind of rewrote or readjusted the storyline just a bit to add more to it, which I appreciate that. That's almost like a George Lucas special edition, but without it really taking over, you know? Um, yeah. As long as we uh, edit out the tail stomp, because that's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was dumb. Yeah, I can't... No, no. That's, that's a then, bad joke. Um, the other thing, too, if you guys... Um, didn't see on the the video on Wednesday, which is not a lot of people are watching the the stuff about the figures. Not a lot of people watch that, but that's okay. I still make the content. But yeah, because uh, nobody else nobody else covers these figures. It feels right. like you know, there's there's yeah. tons of guys talking about Gumpla. There's maybe like another person that brings up Robot Spirits, but you're the only one that's that's hyping up yeah. the the GMG figures. That's why yeah, I make videos of them. Uh, but anyway, so on I think it was two streams ago on your show i was talking about using clay to build the stands for the figures mm -hmm. and you were saying just use magnets and that's what i did i uh so i bought and uh let's see if i can get that to yeah uh drilled nice. and glued in magnets and then i got these little stands which i mean i could use bigger ones in fact and have multiple ones on there but i mean i now have these stands and i have my figures all standing up not falling over it's it's a I don't know, thing. like the quality of life improvement that was just made here is amazing because I so like with all my Star Wars figures I used to have out, I don't anymore. I bought stands for all of them because I have yeah. to have stands. And, and and those Star Wars figures are have terrible. Um, I mean, the articulation is fine, but it's like the, the the balance is always thrown off, especially if they have like a backpack. If it's like a stormtrooper or a sand yep. trooper that has like the big backpack, forget about it. Yep, but um, yeah, I'm I'm glad you opted for the magnets. I am, uh, and maybe it's just me. I'm particularly anal about, you know, seeing. It, it's the magician's mind in me. It's like I don't like to see the trick. You know what I mean? You're right. So yep. I, it's like I 
hate action bases because I don't like to see the action base stand like coming out of the crotch of my Gundams. So I'm always trying to come up with ways of like hiding these things. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, even and I I'm just living with it, but I don't like how I can see the pins, the articulation, you know, like in the elbow, like, yeah, I'm just kind of I'm just like, hey, forgetting this figure, that's fine. Hey, but I want to bring up Zionic Shadow left something here. Well, I got a surprise for you two next month. Here's a hint. Make room. What could that be? I mean, uh, that's that sounds like a threat. <laughs> no, 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 no all I can think of is like a Tommy Wiseau, right? Yeah. Is like, are... <laughs> oh no, don't send me a copy of the room. I already have too many. <laughs> okay, well, a um, red roses. Oh, here's Hi, this. Well, Barry BB had her going to figure out superconductor levitation. That's probably next. You yeah, know what we I talked mean? about it for sure. And yeah. you know what? Uh, yeah. Yeah, shout out to uh to, to Johnny Tacoma and um and King Dylan for you know coaching me through that, you know, letting me know, hey, here's here's some tips on working with bismuth and and all that. So yeah. Uh and then shout out to Simply New Type. What up, praise Jesus? It's 126 in Japan currently. Too bad I'm on the other side of the world. Does that mean freedom is out? Freedom is out. So if you are, you know, concerned about spoilers, be sure to mute the words seed and freedom from Twitter, you know, obviously. Or unplug your, your internet. Yeah, unplug the internet. <laughs> um, although it make me sad. Like, what if there was like a declaration of independence made and you're like, ah, I don't want to hear anything about freedom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I don't know how I would be spoiled, to be honest, because with seed and seed destiny, like I like destiny didn't care for seed there was nothing like amazing that i was like oh my god so i don't know um but that's cool anyway that's it that was a fun show mainly talking about video games and gundam again which is always great and thanks for everyone in the chat that joined and and i love that i can click these chats down here um it's so much fun to kind of add it to the and it reminds me too oh what did that person say it's right there yes so, um anyway anything else steven did we miss anything? No, no. I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, congratulations to the winners. Thank you all yes. for hanging out with us and uh, yeah. hearing about this idea. Adam, I feel like every every couple of weeks we come up with a Gundam game. We we need to make one of them happen. We do. <laughs> and we will. I, I'm telling you, it's going to happen someday. So anyway, everybody. Yeah, thanks for all that tuned in. And we will talk next week. Have a good weekend. Cheers.